Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And tonight, once again, the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho and friends. How's everybody doing there? It's Duff McKagan calling. I'm, I'm in uh, beautiful Seattle, Washington. Uh, 75 degrees. Perfect. This next one, uh, pretend it's 1991. Hey, Chris Jericho. I just flew in from uh, Chernobyl. And boy, are my arms legs. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> That's awful. Uh, <laughs> that was really bad. Uh, but thanks to Duff for bringing it every single Friday. He never disappoints. And if it's more laughs, you're after the second episode of the Winnipeggers came out last night on my official YouTube channel. Uh, Ribo, Dave Spivak, and myself got together to talk about when nature calls. That was Spivy's idea, of course. All the times that bodily functions got the best of us. Like the time I flew on a plane with Hulk Hogan and vomited down my leg. And the time Dave, uh, well, basically shit his pants while uh, doing a sales call. So pour yourself a cold one and laugh along with us. We're going to release new Winnipeggers episodes on Thursday night, every Thursday night at 9 Eastern. And you're going to want to grab a drink with us for those. And you're also going to want to have a drink for tomorrow night, Saturday night special. Thanks to all of you for hanging out with me every Saturday night. Having a great time. Hope you guys are as well. I'll be answering more of your questions, telling some more stories. And, of course, we will close things out with another uh, highly requested, world-renowned sing-along. So bring your song requests for that. Saturday special every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and my official YouTube channel. And the Winnipeggers every Thursday night at 9 p.m. on my, on my YouTube channel as well. So we're doing our best to keep you entertained and laughing during this crazy time in the world. And it's been a crazy time for EC3 here today on Talk is Jericho. He was fired uh, from the WWE in March in the middle of the pandemic. But he just started back with Impact. He's going to tell us what happened with Vince McMahon and the WWE, including details about the last run he had with John Moxley uh, just before Mox left the company to come to AEW. EC's also talking about his early run with TNA during Dixie Carter's tenure and what happened when Eric Bischoff came in to TNA and then when Billy Corgan ran it for a brief time and tried to buy it, ultimately why he left just as Anthem bought TNA. Lots of great stories. Uh, EC3 picks his words wisely, and we're going to hear them right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so um, it's really cool when you get a chance when you're in different text groups with people and you actually get to see them uh, uh, in person. Uh, we don't need to have to get too much into the text group, but I'm here with EC3, who is amazing to me, first of all, that you've okay. been able to keep your name through like three or four different companies. That's the one thing that you always have is that name. The power of legal Zoom. <laughs> Trademarking. <laughs> Did you trademark it beforehand? I trademarked it at the tail end of the impact run when I... Was about on my way out. So, so when you worked, to Vin, worked for Vince, they didn't ask for it, or they already they uh, inquired about changing names. So they asked me to come up with a bunch of different names, and I came up with some of the worst possible names ever. They all had the syllables. Or so, I'm sorry, it's a vowel e, c, the consonant, and then the number three involved in it. So, like Ezra Crushington, like please don't <laughs> change it. I've created this brand. I created this brand. It's kind of cool. Uh, it has nothing to do with the past name I worked under, Ethan Carter III. Like, it's, it just sounds cool. It's easy to chant. Right. EC3. It's, I wish they did change it. Really Ezra ran it Crushington. <laughs> but EC3 originally was the idea of Ethan Carter was like Dixie Carter's rich. Because we, we've, dis- we, we've never discussed this before. I mean, we've, we've met a few times and we went yeah. to Striper together. Hell yeah. Which was a blast. Thanks for that. But to get a chance to actually sit down and talk to him, we'll go through everything. But, but Ethan Carter III originally was like Dixie's cousin. Titled nephew. Ah, gotcha. Which is interesting, too, because 
I would be if I'm her nephew, I'm her children's cousins, right? Right. Okay. Anytime she would introduce me to the family, especially her children, she's like, "Hey, it's Uncle E." And I, I was just confused for a long time. <laughs> How does that work? How does that work? But, yes, I was her entitled, spoiled, rich nephew. And uh, yeah, it was kind of the combination of, uh, it was a great idea from somebody else that I was able to run with and hopefully make my own. Because there was like, was there like a football player or something that was something, something three? Or? There's RG3. That's right. He was a first round draft pick. We were just talking about knee injuries because your poor dog has a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. He had the unbelievable rookie season, tore his ACL. And then was never the same. Never the same. Never came back. Kind of like me. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a lot to talk about before we get into. You drove here from Orlando, and you said that you were a couple minutes late because you had to make a pit stop. You said oh. it might be a podcast-worthy story. So anytime I, that uh, if, carrot is dangled in front of me, it's take it away. <laughs> no, it was cool because uh, I run a print shop, and so I'm printing my own merchandise. www.freeec3.com. Get yourself some wearable propaganda. But yesterday... I run with my buddy. We fulfill orders, and like sometimes I'm printing it, but we make all the merch. It's cool and uh, means something to me because we get to design everything so mm-hmm. for whatever artistic purpose that serves. But uh, this name came up, and it was just Bruce Lee. I was like, <laughs> Bruce Lee, cool name. And it said Brandon, Florida. I'm like, huh? I'm going to Tampa tomorrow. Brandon's on the way. What if I just stop by this dude's house? So we have a. <laughs> Business number, so I text him, hello, this is so-and-so from freec3.com. I was wondering if you would be available tomorrow from 1 to 1.30 p.m. Yeah, I'll be there. All right, cool. So I drive there, and the way he answered, I thought he was a child. So knock on his door, open the door. It's this guy taller than me, like six foot eight, 30-year-old dude. He's like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, what's up, man? I've got your stuff. And then I kind of filmed it. So obviously, I'm going to use it as a, your master marketer. You know the deal. Of course. So I'm going to use it for socials. But it was cool. And it was fun. And uh, That's a great idea, just showing up. Just showing up at people's houses. Yeah. There was another one that came in from Winter Park, and, which is right by Orlando. And I was like, something about this Brandon one speaking to me. So this is the one I'm going to do, too. How much would you have freaked out if it was actually Bruce Lee? <laughs> the rumor that he's really alive and never died is true. He's a big EC3 fan. <laughs> I'd be you guys become a feather friends. In my cap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, once upon a time in Mexico scene with him and Brad Pitt fighting was awesome. Oh was, yes, I'd, wasn't that great? I, yeah, yeah. Because out of all the things people want to hear us talk about, it's that. but then all the uh, all the Bruce Lee's family got mad because they didn't get permission for that or whatever. It's fiction. Yeah, I know. Come on, Quentin Tarantino. Well, he killed <laughs> the Jews. Killed Hitler, and yeah, uh, you know, blew him up in a movie theater. And then Brad Pitt's Pitbull killed Manson. <laughs> It's a work. But let's talk about why you're here, because once again, for the second time, you have been, uh, you were released. Shit can. Shit can. Tossed out the side. Out the door. What a. See you later. Take a hike, loser. But it was, (laughs) it's fine. It was, you were there for uh, two years this time? Three years? About, yeah. Two years. I went through NXT, which was awesome. And then uh, called up and then, you know, didn't work out. Had a pretty sustainable head injury for a long time. When I was cleared to come back, uh, COVID happened, and I was one of the mm-hmm. many talented people that got released. Not a big deal. So, but to me, it seems strange because it's funny because on the show, originally NXT, Derek Bateman. Correct. Yes. Yes. I remember you had a, a pretty good personality. Pretty decent. Pretty yep. funny. Yep. Obviously, well, you look like the prototype for what Vince is looking for. Big special. guy. Awesome. Sweet. 
sweet, sweet muscles, hot, sweet, <laughs> sweet muscles. And, and, and two times you kind of slipped through the cracks, but yeah. this time it seemed really strange because you came in and I don't remember ever really here seeing you get even too much of a chance no. when you came in from, from NXT. No, it was interesting. Uh, it never felt right when I had the call up, you know, because when that's something you chase your whole life, that mm. dream that like you're waiting for the call and like you get many calls, you get calls to get signed, you get calls to get used, but like the call up, you think there's a purpose. This is it. Mm. And when it happened, first off, I was on injury reserve with a concussion. So I was suspicious. Right when you came in? No, when I got called up to the, yeah, when I got called up to the main right, roster. Right, gotcha. And that was right before, it was mid-December, I think, of whatever year it was, before mm. the Rumble. Mm-hmm. But I was, so that was odd to me. But you know what? There's a reason. There's a purpose. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't know. You're laughing, yeah. Yeah. It's all so f-ing hysterical. But, but the thing is, too, I think one thing that you started really doing well in, in Impact when you were there is cutting great promos. Yes. So no promos at None. all? None. Zero. I was actually ordered not to speak. Why? That's a good question, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know, because I think it was a rush call-up of a bunch of people because they were feeling heat from, uh, you know, numbers were lower, fans were complaining, you know, just one of those, we're doing something recent. Mm-hmm. Who can we, who can make it on their own is the way I figured it, because I thought, I'm an NXT just to get called up to the main roster, because that's more of my forte, NXT's fun, love doing it, love working with those guys, but like, this is kind of, this would be more my wheelhouse character. Right. But NXT is focusing more on kind of work rate, yeah. uh, big matches, and guys kind of learning, but you kind of already know all that, and you're a talker. Yeah. You're, you're a, a, a main roster talker. Yeah. So, but then uh, the call-up happened, and which was interesting enough, you know, you wait for the call-up your whole life, and uh, the most exciting parts of your vignette, right? Like, what's going to bring you in? What's cool? What's going to build you in? They kind of haphazardly threw all these vignettes together. And my literal vignette to get called up to the biggest company, biggest entertainment company wrestling in the world, was filmed by my roommate in my apartment in Orlando. A nice apartment, don't get me wrong. It's a high-rise condo. It's pretty cool. Call it (laughs) F-Town. I can see these things, though. But in hindsight, it's just like, this is it? And it was a very bizarre... Like I walk in, not in a suit, but looking nice. So they're taking away the suit aspect in this top one percent. Because you wore a suit in as EC three, yeah, and the was, top one percent would wear a suit, right? Like top one percent income levels, yes. gotcha. Yeah, top one percent talent, mm-hmm. and even top one percent mentality. Mm-hmm. Man, I had used to have good promos about that. I forgot them all. You hitting that a lot, but yeah. So we filmed this vignette in uh, my apartment, and it airs for like six weeks. We never hear anything about anything. Uh, Roy, Royal Rumble comes. I was like, well, maybe I'll be number three, get a good pop, and we're off to a good start. Nope. Uh, then I think it was a week after, I'm working with uh, Moxley, and he told that story on this podcast, I guess. He did, yeah. yeah. That- Which was a, I didn't know the details till I heard it here first. So let's get into that a little more after I tell you about something that got delivered to my house last week. This cool glass a uh, giant version of the T- Talk is Jericho logo. Uh, I'll post a picture on the Talk is Jericho Twitter account, but the, it won't really do it justice. Got to see it for yourself. 
Basically, a company called Fracture turns your digital images into killer glass prints. It's exactly what that sounds like. Literally print your photos directly onto glass, transforming your memories into handcrafted frameless prints. Fracture prints directly on durable glass that have soft edges for safe handling. Prints come in multiple sizes and don't require a frame. Each print is backed by Fracture's 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't love your print for any reason at all, Fracture will make it right. But trust me, you're going to love how great the glass prints look and you're going to want to buy them for all your family and friends. I'm already helping you with holiday shipping in July. That's what I do here. I got you back. And this is how easy it is to get your favorite photos printed on glass. Just upload your photo at FractureMe.com slash Jericho and Fracture takes it from there. And of course, they're hooking up all you sexy beast talk as Jericho listeners with a special offer. Go to FractureMe.com slash Jericho. Use the promo code Jericho and you'll get 20% off your order. That's 20% off your Fracture glass print at FractureMe.com slash Jericho. That's F-R-A-C-T-U-R-E-Me.com slash Jericho. Use the promo code Jericho and get 20% off. Uh, thanks to Fracture for the awesome glass print of the Talk is Jericho logo and for sponsoring us here. Trust me, you're going to want to check this out and do it now. We'll tell the story that he told. Uh, basically, that uh, because of his asking to, or his refusal to resign, he was kind of on a rocky ship. Uh, we had a little TV program where I'm the baby face and he's the heel. Uh, we had like a three-minute match and I slip over and it was whatever, but then we go on to these live events and we're working. I'm working as the baby face, he's working as a heel, and he's just getting great reactions because he should. Right. He's sacrificed for years for that company. He told that company straight up, F you. Like, people love that. That's cool. And, like, for seven years, this guy puts his body, his soul on the line for these people. They're going to love and respect him. Whereas I'm a jacked up dude in trunks who <laughs> does. Like, like, <laughs> who hasn't had a promo or yeah, any kind has of character? No, no character, no development. And I'm not, I'm a hell of a hand, but I'm not like a flashy yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Right. Like, that's not at all what I do. So we're working these matches, I think there's four. First three, it's me as a good guy, him as a heel, and he's getting cheered. And it's kind of, it's working though. It's working in the sense that like, man, this is actually my wheelhouse. Cause if I get, if I come in here pushed as like the mega five move of doom, baby face that can't be beat, but I'm obviously just liked for certain reasons that the people or turning against, like if I get that, like kind of Cena-ish, mm -hmm. Ooh-yay kind of stuff, I'm made. Like that's was my pitch too. It's like push me as a baby face, but I'm fucking heel. Mm -hmm. And whatever, yada yada. We do these matches. They're good matches. He's a, obviously a very talented person. Carries me through them. And then on the last night, we're working again. And I think we just kind of switched it in mid because the crowd was so anti me and so into him. We're two pros. We can do it on the fly. We kind of switch it up. Same finish, but I show the aggression as a heel. And, like, it worked. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Then the next, we, next night we do Raw, and they just go up to me and go, you're going to be heel tonight. Like, yeah, all right. Go. Great. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Got, got a promo? No. Okay. And then he's the baby face, and then he slips over the same way I slipped over him. And then here I am. <laughs> And that was it. That was it. Did you ever have any interactions with, with Vince or with Hunter to Couple. kind of ask what's going on? I always was very thankful for Hunter for bringing me back to NXT in the time we had there. And he was, when I was working for him, always open to uh, everything. Like, mm -hmm. So he was very, 
It was very cool, enlightening, great lessons. I loved, liked it very much. When he was on the road, not so much. He was not there a lot, too. So uh, when I had interactions with Vince, yeah, I did the four-hour waits in the hallways. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I've had a couple conversations with him. And they were all very positive. So he really said everything people would say, like, you look great. I know you could talk. You got a ton of charisma. Uh, I love, you look, you're a good worker, but you're not super flashy. And that's okay, because some of my top draws were never the flashy guys. I'm like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I talk? Well, I think you're a little over the top. How many promos have you seen of me? One. I think they saw one. Yeah. And it was shot in my pool in a condo. And it was, I don't know, fairly over the top. Regardless, it was, we're basing this on one promo. If I could speak, well, I want you to speak like a weatherman. I, I can do that. It's not like a weatherman? Yeah. Like just very monotone, one-dimensional. Yeah. yeah okay. I, like, man. It's, it's strange when you hear these things. I mean, I, I know, I mean, this is so random, but I hosted a, a, a Golden Gods award show, heavy metal award show, and Vince, I don't know why the hell he saw it. But he saw 10 minutes of it. And this one 10-minute part, I was yelling during it. Like, it was a award show. Right. I think maybe it was introducing Metallica or something. Like, it's Metallica. I can't believe it. Yeah. And for the next six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks before every promo, he said, don't go out there and don't, ye- go, don't yell yeah. when you're out there. Don't go out there. When have I yelled once on your show? <laughs> well, I saw you on that award show. It was Metallica. I was introducing Metallica. Like, like you said, I was over the top. On one promo, yeah. I can be under the top. I can be around the top. What do you want me to do? Or just give me another another microphone, or I'll do something else and see if you like it better. But once he gets it in his head, it's, it's almost end of the line, which is so crazy. It, yeah, it's un- unfortunate. I mean, I'm not gonna. I hate people that complain and cry and well, I didn't get you. didn't work out. It's fine. Yeah, but but, fine. but you're not complaining and crying because to me it's like why bring a guy in who has a great track record of being able to talk yeah. and then just not letting you talk at all. That was a problem I had too, even on the initial Derek Bateman run. Is all right, we're on a throwaway show. No one gives a shit about. Uh, I am going to be over the top because that's going to make me stand out. Mm-hmm. Have dumb haircut, like this. Nobody cares. So let's just entertain. And fortunately, when I came to Impact, I was able to bring that character like some charisma with it but i knew this was a more serious thing because i want to be a top guy Mm -hmm. like i need to tone this part down and bring it back and you know the people that modeled promos after like an austin or a rock yourself Mm -hmm. you could be entertaining but then you can switch it yes you could be deadly serious and you can feel and that's what a top guy can do yeah has to do and then that's always what I strive to do. And, well, I didn't have a chance there. I did an impact. Mm-hmm. But then there was always the label to, oh, he's funny, don't make money. Well, give me something serious to talk about. And I will. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm insane. I'm very serious. My shirt says psycho on it. Yeah. You know, like, you're a very intense guy. You yeah, can tell that, like right? I'm very, like, you know, Robin Williams is a comedian. Hilarious track record of hilarity comedies mrs doubtfire uh the one where he's a doctor whatever but then he goes and does goodwill hunting Mm -hmm. and he wins an oscar Mm -hmm. because deep down who he truly is is that person you know sometimes we use humor as a crutch 
or mechanism to shade what hurts us inside. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's me, but it's what I equate it to. Well, you're totally right, especially in his case, you know, yeah. with, the way, with the end of his life. But the best comedians, I will, let me rephrase that. Some of the best actors start out as comedians. Right. You know, if you're talking about Steve Martin or Eddie Murphy, some of the great roles that they've played over the years, and, and, and Bill Murray, I mean, gosh, Bill Murray, think about the stuff he's done, how he started, yeah. and to, to, that, that's the diversity of, of playing a character and being a performer, it's, you know? I think humor is harder to do sometimes. Well, it's, it, it is harder to do, especially in wrestling, because there's so much bad humor. Oh, it's the and worst. And if you can find the fine line to do it, and the way that I always treat it is you have to play it straight. Yeah. If you play it straight, like the ultimate comedian never cracks, never breaks, you know, no fart and dick jokes. It's right. real. And that's where the humor comes from. But that's also where the, the intensity comes I mean, from, too. When you're having a stare down with a fucking drone in your leather <laughs> pants. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. If, if, they, if, but you, if This drone is the bane of my existence. I can't believe it. You know, can't you tell? Yeah, so let's thing. talk a little bit about, about, about kind of your ascent in, in, in Impact or TNA back, the original TNA run, because... Let's go back even a little bit further. How did you get into NXT? Were you working the indies for a while? NXT the second time? The, the first when the you first were Bateman. Time, the, what was it? 2009 I was signed to FCW. So it wasn't the indies how we know them today. And there wasn't like a... I was an indie guy based out of Ohio and like Louisville. Is that where you're from? Or yeah, you from? Cleveland, Ohio. Gotcha. But it wasn't... I wasn't the uh, proverbial... Every weekend, driving seven, eight hours, I had to work real jobs, too. Gotcha. So I knew, I knew where I would go, which would be a developmental system to be polished and toned up. How I got there, though, was just, uh, I was put on the radar. I did a tryout in probably like 2007 with Tommy Dreamer, so I was kind of in the system. Uh, eventually, I said, I want to make this my full time. Like, I can't live my life if I don't do this for real. So I went down to OVW, unsigned, when it was developmental. Trained with Rip Rogers in their like intermediate class. Let's talk a little about Rip Rogers quickly. Just just talk about that because let's swear. uh, Let's cuss. He he was in Calgary right when I first started. He was Rip Rogers and he was uh, tag team with Kerry Brown and typical brother of just like the old school black beard and super dyed blonde hair. And then you get to know him and and because to me I was a mark for all those Stampede guys. But then getting to know him and you know he's got the big giant glasses and he. You know, are you going to eat that when you're at Denny's and eating off your plate and making lemonade out of lemons and sugar and water in the, in the, of the restaurant? And uh, talk a little bit about him and, and what he taught you and how he was. He, oh man, I wish every professional wrestler, especially now, can go through at least a six month camp with him. With him, yeah. Just based on stuff he does with like transitions and reality. Just come with the psychology of everything. Psychology is so good and so not present anymore. And it's hard to say, like, he's not easy on you, which you shouldn't be. Like, this is... Especially as a trainer. Yeah, this is a profession. This is a real thing. Very fortunate with that time, but I only had about seven months with him because uh, I went to do OVW. I think they were filming TV, and I had a a match where they're going to use me for real. Cool. And I do this match, and I tear my ACL. So... Mm. Well, that sucks. And then now I'm in Louisville and I can't work the job. I'm not signed by the WWE. I have to go get surgery. So my dad came and picked me up. And that was a hard drive home. But uh had the surgery. Started back on the indies. Uh, there was a tryout in FCW when they switched over to the developmental thing. So 
working doubles at the Cheesecake Factory, saving up, fly down, do the tryout, and uh, was signed out of that. And that's where I met number two big influence in my career was Dr. Tom Pritchard. Yeah. Yeah. So what a what, genius. He's a doctor. Yeah. He's He's an old school brother too. Both yes. both those guys came from the same time frame yeah. of that early '80s, mid '80s territorial, you know, utility man type stuff. But both of them geniuses in different ways. Yeah, he was very much a player's coach too. So he'd be hard on you when you need to be hard on you. I'm really surprised Doctor Tom doesn't have a steady gig somewhere with one of the companies. I somewhere. would, yeah. Listen, training is his best asset. Yeah, way more so than an agent. I would be remiss if anybody doesn't have an opportunity to. Uh, He's doing a seminar, or he has a school, right? With, uh, I think he has a school with Glenn, right? Yeah. With uh, Kane, yeah. I believe so. Oh, there you go. Okay, so. Learn as much as you can from him. So, so. How, how was he an influence on you? Just, uh, again, psychology, simplicity, work ethic was very big with him. He'd blow you up, but then he'd also tell you why. You know, he was, just, mm -hmm. he was very, accountability with him was big. So being able to, he, if he made a mistake, he would own up to it, but he expected that out of you, too. And then just that old school mentality, I don't want to say it's lost, but it seems as though it's absent. Mm -hmm. I agree. I have like three coaches and ironically the number three and three guys through uh, physical training that are huge influences. So I noticed how it paired off in threes. I just, I just noticed that. There's one more <laughs> EC3. coach. EC3. Yeah. Weird. Who's the third coach? Terry Taylor. Ah. Which, when I went back to NXT, when I was signed, I didn't have to go to the PC. I didn't have to report to Orlando. They would use me on maybe coconut shows because I was living in Tampa. But I wanted to be the good soldier, the proverbial all-in. So I was like, no, I'm going to go and you know, bang heads with the boys. I'm not going to be that guy that had a TV run somewhere else and comes in and just does yeah, 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 just right. TV. Right. Like I hated those dudes. I saw them in FCW when they would come in. Like... I don't want that. Plus, if I'm around wrestling more, I'm going to get better at it. So uh, I was fortunate enough to work with Terry Taylor. Again, old school mentality, work ethic, genius on psychology, uh, but very much knows he's right, whether he is or he's not. So. <laughs> That's always the kind of the tag with Terry, why he never made it bigger was because of that. Yeah, yeah. but he was, he was a man's man, and he can talk to you about anything. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, he really cared about the people he trained. Uh, I noticed very much he was, he wanted to be an influence positive to them in their personal lives as much as professional. Oh, okay, gotcha. So he was very, he was, he, he was a big, figure. He yeah. was a big uh, component for my career too. He was the one who gave me my first ever push in uh, WCW. Yeah. Turned me heel when I was, you know, like we mentioned, just the no name, nothing baby face. So nothing but respect for Terry on my end as well. Good man. All right, so working with those guys is how you got hooked up with NXT the first time, and we'll talk about that. But first, I just want everyone to know that my Magic Spoon delivery arrived, so I'm well-stocked with cereal again. But who knew that one of my favorite foods as a kid would be something I could eat uh, again and really enjoy as an adult, thanks to Magic Spoon. I had to stop eating cereal a long time ago because it's so full of sugar and additives and preservatives and all that junk that you can't eat. Uh, but now as an adult, I try and eat healthy my whole family tries to eat healthy, and now that I've found Magic Spoon, I'm about to start my day the Magic Spoon way. Zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Magic Spoon has four great flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, 
and my favorite, blueberry. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free, lots of free stuff. You got to try this for yourself. Uh, it's one of those too-good-to-be-true things, but it is actually true. Just go to magicspoon.com slash Jericho, pick up the variety pack, and try it for yourself. And be sure, be sure to use the promo code Jericho at checkout to get free shipping. Then hit me up on the Twitter at TalkIsJericho and let me know which flavor you like best. And Magic Spoon is so confident that you'll love their cereal. They've backed it with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it, they'll refund your money. Keep you happy, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Jericho. Use the promo code Jericho for free shipping. Try it today. Your cereal bowl, spoon, and your stomach will thank you. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring Talk is Jericho and the breakfast of La Champion. So you worked with those guys, and then that's kind of how you got hooked up with the original NXT? Yeah, the original NXT. So I was in the developmental system from 09 to, I mean, till 2013. But in the middle of that, you know, NXT came up the first season with you, like Daniel Bryan and all that. Then the second season came. Then it was kind of went away to, like, the obscure internet show. The girls did it the one year. The girls did it yeah. they three or four weeks on TV. Then it became the internet show. And then uh, we were the fourth season. So just like. Oh, me. really? The fourth season? Yeah, like online? the toys. Yeah, online. <laughs> so it was really forgotten about, man. It was like. <laughs> Who was your pro? Daniel Bryan. Oh. <laughs> the irony. We, the irony. We had uh, <laughs> to the t- dozens of people that loved that show, we had a very good relationship. So we had. We were perfect balance for each other. Like who else was on that year as far as the As far as talent, Byron Saxton, Jacob Novak, who? I know. Uh, <laughs> Tyrus, aka Brodus Clay, and okay. uh, Johnny Curtis, aka Fandango. No, this is not a bad uh, no, group. Some good guys brothers. made some money there. Connor yeah. Connor O'Brien was on there. I think I'm missing somebody. <laughs> it's so, a great run. Right. So you're you're doing the, the internet shows. Yep. Is that kind of where it ended for you? It, we did the internet show. That did end. I believe Fandango won, though I was clearly the crowd's favorite. Uh, <laughs> then I go back to developmental, and then they have no idea what's going on with NXT. I actually had to have a knee surgery again. So after that last episode, I went right to Birmingham and got my knee fixed. Awesome. Season five happened, and it was originally going to be guys like Woods and Rollins and stuff like that, but then they were just kind of like, now nah, we're just going to reuse the riffraff because we don't want to waste <laughs> yeah, these guys on yeah, right, right, right. Uh, so what was it called NXT Redemption they brought back a bunch of people that used to be on it this is man you're really making my brain work this is awesome okay so I'm healing up from the injury I'm working in developmental I'm getting back I get the call like, yeah All right, we got something for you on Smackdown I'm like hell yeah like, I'm, I'm like ready to rock here we go. I get up to SmackDown, and I'm kind of like surveying the land. I'm like, I don't see exactly where I'm fitting in on SmackDown right now. I wonder what it is, but someone's going to tell me. Someone's going to tell me. Oh, you're going to do the dark match. Cool. I'm ready. Dark match. Done. Uh, stay in your gear. Okay. Uh, so NXT Redemption goes by. <laughs> I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, oh, God damn it. No. No, please don't. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to be on NXT Redemption now. We need to bring in some oh, star power. So, <laughs> star power. You're like, what? <laughs> Great. So at the end of one of the episodes, uh, yeah, like I walk back on stage like to 
<laughs> do an ant farting. Like no one knows who I am or why I'm there. No one cares about the show. And so we're back on redemption. And that was just endless. But it was a great character building because, uh, because they cared so little about it. We did have free reign to talk, do skits and vignettes and promos. And mm. it was entertaining. I had a soap opera-esque level love triangle with uh, Maxine and Fandango. Who's and, Maxine? Uh, was she on Lucha Underground or something? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Trina. Carla was her? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, it's so funny that you say that because th- that's what you have to do and that's what a true pro will do is take whatever you're given and make it good or at least yeah. learn from it. Yeah. Even if nobody's watching, you can still learn and, and create cool stuff. So, And I always I think, too, you never know who is watching. Yeah. Especially in Vince's world. Someday he might say, what's going on this redemption thing? Who's that guy, you know? If anyone wants to research anything from my NXT run, I think the double dates uh, with Daniel Bryan and myself and the Bella Twins is top shelf. Really? You were in that? They did, uh, did they do that on Raw, too, without, without you? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, they did that NXT? <laughs> That's where it started. Oh, so we had American flag pants and a fanny pack on. Michael Pazes. I flipped the table. I threw a bag of change at Nikki. It's hilarious. <laughs> Obviously, no writer wrote that. It was Daniel Bryan, myself, and the Bellas. Of course. Yeah, it was. What else? And then there was a wedding with Maxine I interrupted. I mean, there was some goofy ass shit. It was fun. I definitely had fun. I definitely learned. And I was working in front of live crowds every week. The only thing that would have been better was like, hey, you're going to be on SmackDown, and here's a sweet push. But <laughs> I made the most of it. Right. So then how did you end up in, uh, in Impact the first time? Uh, well, I, I had another knee injury. You guys have a lot of injuries. Yeah, I'm a beat-up piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ruggedly handsome and torn yeah, apart. Right. Uh, had another knee injury. They were switching over from FCW to NXT. They brought in a new... Bill and this is the head coach, Dr. Tom's out. And as they were moving over, I had no place there. So I'm not using the main roster. I don't need to be here anymore for the best. Fired. That's fine. Did you ask for it? Or they, they I did not ask for gotcha. it. Gotcha. No. So but, they, they let you go there. Yeah. But it wasn't too long before you ended up in Impact, though. No, I was, after that 90 days, ironically enough, I was right into Impact. And I was very fortunate, too, because the thing that, got me fired a change in power and change in structure is what got me an opportunity and impact because there was a change in their creative in their front office and somebody coming in that wanted to bring in his guys or new guys and i was the lead charge for that so it's it's weird how it works but that's the business though you know yeah it's always been that way i mean tom and dr tom and rip rip rogers will tell you that too um so let's talk a little more about the about the ethan you never take yourself out the game. That was Dr. Tom advice. You say, what did he say? You never take yourself out the game. Ah, interesting. Yeah, Meaning? That uh, don't stop and don't shoot yourself in the foot. Mm. It's like, so just, it'll be there and it'll come back to you. So what was the differences for you when you went from, from kind of the, 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 the crazy machine of the WWE into TNA originally? It was initially the... PTSD of WWE where you think everything's being critiqued and criticized and someone's stabbing you in the back even when they're not. Mm-hmm. So getting over that hump was the main issue and then just becoming free in myself to develop myself and put forward what I want. Mm-hmm. Be creative. Be an athlete. Be all these things. Uh, I mean the biggest difference obviously 
I never had the high-end WWE experience, so it wasn't like I was coming from a great run on Raw where I peaked early as yeah. a kid, and then now I'm like slumming it. I was very thankful for it because we're still running TV every week. We're traveling. Plus, I have the opportunity. Here's uh, what we want you to say, some bullet points, but make it your own. I had the opportunity. I was writing a program with Sting. Hmm. What? Mm-hmm. You know, even, even talenting, it's, holy shit, this is, this is cool. And then from there to like, I was working with top level guys and just soaking it all up. It Were fun. you, did you come in as Ethan Carter three? I did. It was Ethan Carter the third. third right. And then uh, I, I had a vignette, a real vignette mm-hmm. shot with real, real intense. I'm a real boy. Yeah. With purpose and <laughs> meaning. It was cool. I had lions, but they ended up being giant hound dogs because they couldn't actually find lions. Mm-hmm. Classic impact. But <laughs> I came in with something. I was given something, and I was very much able to run with it. If somebody else was given the exact same thing as me, it'd probably be a totally different character. Totally yeah, you know, you really embraced that character. That's yeah. where I started taking notice of you. You did like it's TNA. And it's impact now, but talking about TNA then, they had so many guys that came through that really made something of themselves. Truly. You being one of them, Samoa Joe and AJ, and like it, it's it's interesting to me that they didn't have the the capacity to be able to to make money off it. Basically, yeah. you know, you wish I th- they had the talent for sure. Yeah, but it was always hindered by some outside sources, like forces. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's no no fault of the. Uh, of the guys. Yeah. No, exactly. And then some guys came in for like easy pay and saw that it was the Wild West and they can do whatever they want. And, you know, it kind of cuts off their motivation to bring it to the next level. Now there's like, it's easy money. It's probably the same guys that did that in WCW 20 years prior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I lived. Were I've you there when. Through your eyes. Were you there when Bischoff came in and when Hogan came in? Or yeah, was that. I was the last. Last two weeks of the Bischoff-Hogan run. Oh, so just as you came in, they were... Yeah. And interestingly enough, there was, uh, it was John Gaborik who was pushing for the EC3 character, and Eric Bischoff was actually saying it would never work and fought against it. And unbeknownst to me, I became sort of the pawn in their really? fight for power. I didn't find this out until a lot later. But uh, yeah, so... And then somebody had to make a decision, and... They let go of Eric. Why did Bishop think it wasn't going to work? I think he just didn't think the character would work. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a knock on me or a slight on me at all. It was just, just the a, concept of this yeah. rich nephew or whatever. Yeah, but then he did apparently say, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Character works. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because I'm fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about what led to the end of your run there, EC, brother. But before we do, if any of you guys are listening in a city or state where the gyms are still closed because of the Rona, Maybe you just don't want to train in a gym with a bunch of strangers or or wear a mask while you're training. You can always download the DDPY Now app and let Diamond Dallas Page help you work out from the safety and comfort of your own home. With DDPY, you get a kick-ass cardio workout that's also easy on your joints, and you get that without any masks or social distancing necessary. And DDPY is a great option no matter your age or fitness level. It literally works for everyone. And Dallas is so sure you'll love it that he's given you a seven-day free trial just download the DDPY app and get started. I got the app on my phone. I literally do DDPY everywhere. I've done it backstage at AEW, backstage at Fozzy Gigs, in hotel rooms, in my own living room, in my front yard. It's a killer workout. You can do it at your own pace. 
uh, and you'll get access to hundreds of workouts uh, on the app and you get live workouts from the DDPY Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia, where we filmed the Judas video. You'll get some personal motivation from DDP himself. You can connect a Bluetooth heart monitor to keep track of your workout as well. So many options and, and ideas that you can uh, take advantage of. And you can stream the app to your TV so you can do the workouts on your big screen as well. So download the DDPY app today. You can get it for iOS or Android and start your free seven-day trial. Choose a workout and get going. Let Dallas and DDPY change your life like he has for thousands and thousands of people, including me. Get on the path to healthy living and stay there. Start today at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get in the best mental and physical shape of your life and go do it now. All right, this episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger Show, a fascinating podcast that covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. Jordan talks to a lot of people from the tech and business space and has had everybody on his show, from Mark Cuban to Bill Nye, the science guy, to skateboard legend Tony Hawk, the co-founder of Instagram, Kevin Systrom. There's an episode for everyone, no matter what you're into or who you're into. The show also covers stories like how a professional art forger somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia, or how a girl was able to escape from the religious cult that she'd been born into. A podcast has episodes on relationship advice, dealing with career issues. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers a lot of ground, but one constant is Jordan's ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests that you can apply to your own life, whether it's an actionable routine change that boosts your activity or a slight tweak uh, to your mindset that changes how you see the world. Check out the Jordan Harbinger Show. Search for it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's the Jordan Harbinger Show. H-A-R-B as in boy. I-N as in Nancy. G-E-R as in rock and roll show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or jordanharbinger.com slash subscribe. So what kind of led to your the end of your run there? The end of my run there, I had, like, I think from 2015 to 2016 was, like, probably the best part of my life just because I was working at a high level. I felt responsible for the company. They gave me every opportunity, and I just was carrying the flag. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I worked my ass off for them. And, you know, a lot of people work their ass off, but sometimes they don't feel like they're appreciated. I was appreciated, and it was just, we were doing... The business part I had no control over was not doing well, but the stuff I was doing, I would put up against anybody's. Yeah, the stuff you were in control of. I was in controlling my narrative, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it came, like I had the bloodbath with uh, our buddy, Rockstar Spud, Drake Maverick, Mm -hmm. and uh, that led to Kurt Angle and what was my dream match growing up. Uh, World Heavyweight Title Match with Kurt Angle. And you I had, had that. it. I had it. Yeah. And I won. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you like working with Kurt? Oh, amazing. Even though he was at the tail end, like he still, he gave it his all, of course, but it was more so after working with him and just talking to him. And then like, you can always worry about critiques you may have from people online or people in certain positions of power. But I think the greatest feeling is a respect to your peers. Yes. He respected me after it. I was like, mm-hmm. "All right, that was." I get a little misty talking about it. It means <laughs> a lot to me. So, now, one of the one of the most greatest naturals to the business ever. Like from his first day in, he yeah. was great. 
And his last day, and he was great. He blew me up. Everything in between, you know? <laughs> he German suplexed me 17 times in our match. He made me earn it. So. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. In you a row? Were, no, I think there was a three. I think we <laughs> did another spot. There was a three. Yeah. I think there was another spot. There was like a five. Mm-hmm. And I think there was just like, let's see how many we can do until we don't want to do this anymore. So you're, you're working at the top, top level yeah. in, in TNA at the time. Yeah. It was, yeah. So then what, what we were talking about, what led to you leaving there? What led to me, well, I had the run. Then there was kind of like the inevitable babyface run, which is all right. But at this time, there was another, there was constant power struggle. And it was between, you know, Dixie, John Gaborik was involved, then he wasn't. Now Billy Corgan's involved. Now Jeff Jarrett's involved. And now Anthem's involved. And it was, somebody should tell you that story. And I wonder who'd be the perfect person, because it was... Literally Game of Thrones. Of, oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's kind of what goes on in WWE, but I'm sure there with all these different powers, because that's when Billy wanted to buy yeah. the company as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And one week he's our boss, and the next week, you know, Jeff's our boss, and then Dutch is there with Bruce, and then the next week Anthem's in charge, but then the next week is Billy. Like, it was so, it was disheartening. And it was, at the time, I'm kind of a locker room leader. I don't want to say that, but I tried to at least put on the best face forward that everything's fine, everything's fine. It was impossible to tell. Mm-hmm. And then you always hear the rumors about this company is going to be done next week. Never were. I mean, damn, does that place survive? But it was just, it was a lot at once. And then I'm looking at the wall, writing on the wall here. Somebody, they turned me back into a heel. Like, it was just, I was rehashing what I've already done. Right. I was like the best of ec3 but it wasn't that good anymore. if it was the 80s it'd be time to leave the territory it was time for me to leave the territory yeah and then when anthem finally settled in before i had the chance to really work with them and it was not anything i had a really good deal for at least another six or seven months but i just i'm looking at it i'm like you need to start with new guys i need to go try this again mm-hmm. because if i don't i'll live with regret again and i can't have that it just like I know when the time's up for this contract, I won't have it, and that's fine. But at the same time, if you can save on me now, you can start the rebuild and put yourself in a better position. It just it was business sense. It was very mutual, and they wanted to keep me, but obviously, financially, it was better I don't. And whatever you need out of me, let me do business on the way out. And at the same time, we were talking with NXT, so. Mm-hmm. It was nothing but I need a reinvention. I need to do something different. Yeah. My personal life was like shit, too. Mm. Just everything was just like nothing felt good or right. And I, I knew as long as the uh, WWE was over there that I would always think, what if? So it was part like uh, Scott Demore was very appreciative of my honesty. And he agreed with me. And then we just said, Handshake, let's do business, and uh, we'll talk down the road. Mm-hmm. So, and we Which did. you did, right, right, right. I was just going to ask you when you came in to NXT as EC3, because usually they don't do that. Right. You know, usually they want to kind of change it over to something different, or especially now it'll give you some, you know, Braxton. Chet Buffington. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> Elias Manscaping. <laughs> Whatever. So what, how did you, how were you able to keep that? I had the trademark to it, was one. Um, I asked really because I believe they changed the War Raiders. I came with 
the Viking Raiders, Ricochet. They let him keep Ricochet. Yeah, but then Ricochet was going through the same thing where they wanted to change his name. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting there, notepads, struggling, writing, like, that sucks. (laughs) Ezra Crushington, are you serious? No, but if they'll have to use EC3 (laughs) if they see this shit. So, but then we both wound up with them. And I think both worked. They had brands built upon themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they needed to be. Is that something you have to talk with Hunter about to see if you can keep it? Yeah, but it wasn't a hard conversation. It was like, I I think I built a brand with EC3. I think I can make it it run and we just make it our own here. Okay. Well, cool. Mm -hmm. Great. So then what was the character then in, in NXT? Was the difference? The difference never had a chance to really explain why it was different. I tried to via the two over-the-top promos from a pool <laughs> but uh as opposed to all right it's the top one percent i mean that just sounds cool everyone hates that yeah everyone loves it like it's a thing it's a great gimmick it. too but i didn't i didn't come over and this is some flack i get like how can you beat dixie's nephew in wwe i never said i was ethan carter the third i'm ec3 mm-hmm. i'm an initial it's I'm different now yeah. yeah hbk I'm, yeah triple I'm h yeah uh and i just made it the top 1% is more than a tax bracket. It's a mentality. And because of the brand I built, man, all I wanted to do was be a bumping heel for all the guys that did flashy shit and like grind it out. And, but I was popular, so I would get cheered. So then, oh, he's babyface. Also, I come in, I already have a brand. I'm already fairly popular. I get good reactions. They're like, eh, we don't really have to do much with this. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So I just kind of existed. Right, right, right. Impacts EC3. It was, yeah. Kind of making it There was never really like an in-depth feud I had. There was never any character development. And ironically, what I'm doing now was a pitch I originally wanted to do coming off of uh, the takeover match. Takeover. Yeah, bad concussion. But the way I look at something is if I'm this proud man who talks about winning all the time, and I lose this big match, I'm not going to come back and do the same thing. I have to change. Mm-hmm. I have to evolve into something. Plus, I got my bell rung for real. Like, let's go like with this darker, sort of cultish route. And uh, instead, they put me back in there, and then I got concussed again, and then they called me up. And I'm called up as EC3, so I assume I'm the top 1% still. So Okay, you want. Yeah. let's build it up. How are we going to build it up? You have one vignette in your own apartment. Uh, okay, cool. And uh, there's only really one top percent in this company. He's the boss, so you're <laughs> not really the top one percent. So why don't you just stand in front of a mirror and pose? Uh, okay. Mm. Yeah. I, mean, I fought that too. We, we, did you actually do the stand in front of the mirror posing? Yeah, thing? a couple the, times. The Lex Luger gimmick. Yeah, but not in front of like a cool mirror where some hot babes coming off and has like fireworks coming off of it, like a mirror backstage where I'm just. Flexing like I'm <laughs> flexing like Pat Bateman, <laughs> banging the Auburn blonde, a dirty blonde, aren't you? So, which is where I stole from. But yeah, even seeing that, I'm like, oh, whatever we do, please just don't make me a one-dimensional body guy. I'm just begging you. Mm-hmm. I'm anything but that. Pose in front of the mirror. I am now that. I don't. I know. Yeah. I don't know. You keep. We try to make art sometimes, and you just mm. need to paint by the numbers. Well, you have, but you also have to feel it too. Yeah, you know, never felt it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's I, on me too. Like, well, let's talk about it a little bit when you when you kept mentioning you got concussed. Like, it sounds like it was pretty bad. It, Did that affect your life pretty significantly? Yeah, it was. 
probably the hardest thing I've ever had to come back from. And like we talked about the knees and mm-hmm. like that. bulging discs, torn pecs, torn bicep. The hardest thing I've ever to come back was, from was that concussion, the second. So it was, I don't know how deep we can get, but I can probably get real deep with it. Is it messing up like your everyday life sort of thing? It was. Wow. Yeah. So I come off the takeover. We've all had our bell rung in mm-hmm. matches, but I come off of a takeover with Dream, and it was... Was it, oh, it was a Dream, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first time I don't remember anything. And so that petrified me. I woke up like, I remember making an entrance, and then all of a sudden I was in the trainer's room. Wow. And I was like, yeah, what's going on? And they go, do you know what city you're in? And I said, no. Hmm. And I didn't. And I was like, what? Oh, no. That, I've been Teflon and tough as shit my whole life, but that was the one time I've, like... Yeah. It's pretty creepy, yeah. Wasn't great. Yeah. So, but eventually come back from that, then a second one came immediately when I came back from that one, and then the call-up. So I, I get called up, already concussed. I feel obligated to get back as soon as possible. Yeah. Because I assume there's reasons and purposes to this call up. So with a concussion, like you can take the tests and pass them, but it doesn't mean you're right. Right. And I didn't say I'm not right, but I didn't know if I was right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was right anymore because it's the second time. And I was so, Sure, yeah, and, and those tests are just like, you know, compare this design to that design yeah. or compare this shape to that shape. It took me a while to realize like, that really they're only, they're only comparing to what you did before. Right. There's no, like I was always thinking, I'm going to get this wrong and fail. It's like, no, you're just comparing to what you did last time. Yeah. And that's kind of the judge of it, the right? Baseline. Yeah, the so, baseline, that's it. Yeah. And I'm not trying to knock anything. No, no, no. But, but they, they took care of it. But at the same time, I'm called up. It's time to go. This is my dream. Let's go. I couldn't really. Mm-hmm. So, then, you know, I'm having this terrible run on the main roster. Still feel awful every day, sad, miserable, all these things that resonate from that. Working, working guys that have been wrestling 10 years who still can't do it safely. Yeah. I get rocked again, but I don't say anything. I believe we're in Denver, Colorado, and I just I walked into a building. I stayed in vegas and i was hanging out with people but i slept in the hotel room the whole time and then i just walk into tv i'm like ghost white and the trainer asked me if i was okay i was like no and i told him yeah two weeks ago in albuquerque i think this happened and i just i thought i was all right and i was trying to do this and we ran off of this thing and i just i I don't know do the test don't pass it don't pass it for months Hmm. i had to go to uh physical therapist to work on cognitive activities and a psychiatrist to battle wits with like deep wow so you were really messed messed up from this i was real bad Mm -hmm. and uh yeah they put me on pills to try to like make my serotonin work or dopamine Mm. they were horrible (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) what happened to fart jokes uh yeah so but eventually i finally came through got cleared ready to go and to pitch i start pitching kind of the deal i'm doing now because it was kind of i didn't want to pitch it because i was so into it it had a lot of uh power over me like this character this idea i, I knew if i gave it to somebody else it's gonna be 
it's not going to go right. Right. It has to be. But I also have to do something because I can't come back as is. Uh, start pitching. Yeah, it's great. We love it. Oh, that's really cool. And then, you know, COVID fired. So it's okay. COVID fired. Um, and, and what you're talking about is, just, is it control your narrative? Is that what? Yeah. Is it, yeah. Sort of a control your narrative. It's basically was like a Tyler Durden fight club kind of thing, but then sort of evolved into something more because I just started speaking my truth, doing whatever. I get fired. Like first thing I did when I got fired was finish my yoga session. Really happy. And then uh, I post (laughs) my pitch in its entirety onto social media with a promo I did to accompany it. And it was cool. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Let's just run with this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I started making more and more and, uh, kind of grew and grew i realized though that at the same time i'm pitching kind of a cult leader to people but because i'm speaking truth from my real life and from my heart and real angst and pains and miseries and whatever people especially in this time this covid time people are losing it all like jobs family their minds it resonated with a lot of people with the messages i would get and i'm not I'm not a uh, self-praise sucks, so I'm not self-praising, but you know the difference between someone saying, so-and-so's great, like at a tweet or a DM that's like paragraphs long of like, you said this and this made me think this is very, uh. so I don't want to so much be a cult leader as much as like a, I don't know, a COVID anti-hero is how I describe (laughs) it now. Did this character come as a result of COVID or did you always kind of have it? Yes. Back your head. I think COVID pushed it to the forefront in people's minds because they were feeling a lot of things that I was talking about. But this character came from me mm-hmm. and my life. And I don't know how to phrase it. Dream job. Screws you over twice. Dream girl. Screws you over twice. Being Starting businesses, being robbed by a con man. You know, just... The government shuts down things, so now this business might fail. Plus, my parents have been small business owners, and mm. they can't do anything about it. So what's going to happen to them? Right. Just nothing. You're in control of nothing, and you're lied to mm-hmm. all the time. So I just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real interesting point, because I was wondering when someone would write an album about it, come up with a gimmick about it, you know, because it's very strange, yeah. all of these different things. And if you can harness that and utilize it creatively, then it's a plus for sure. Great art comes from great pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was it like, though, when you were talking about, you know, COVID fired? Obviously, probably a little bit scary for you. Or did you know, okay, there's other places to go? Or Honestly, uh, after WrestleMania, if it was a normal, normal time frame, I would have probably asked for my release because mm-hmm. I was not happy mm-hmm. as a person. Right. right. It's just... Just sitting being around doing nothing. That too, but just being unable to create when you're mm. you're super creative, dude. Like, yeah, you need that. One of the reasons why I left. Yeah, it just hurt every day, and then nothing mattered, so it didn't matter. Train like, why do I bust my ass in the gym twice a day? Why do I write all these like? Just nothing matters. So I was probably going to, but at the same time, I didn't because I have a job in the giant economic downturn right. that pays well when who the hell knows what's gonna happen to the family like i have to be smart about this right but they did for me and it's fine like the only worry was is entertainment going to be around in 90 days mm-hmm. what's going to be there mm-hmm. you know if it was a normal world like first off i would ask and they probably would have said no 
and I wouldn't have been the guy that's like, oh, yeah, that's my, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's my, that doesn't help. No, but like, I would have asked him as a man, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. I am not a happy person. My life is not good. I don't want to do this. I can't. I'm like, whatever. But they did it for me. Thank you. Yeah, and just the worry about entertainment as a whole. Is it going to be here? I was thinking about this the other day, and there's a couple of things I want to ask you about. But it's, it's like I was telling somebody, like, we don't even know who's over anymore. Yeah. Like, there's no crowd. So, you know, is Jericho still over? Is Edge still over? Is Orange Cassidy still over? Is EC3 still over? Like, who the f*** knows, right? That's the thing that was, that was bothering me. When you've heard about, okay, you, you were cool with getting released. You were kind of were anticipating or wanting it. But they're releasing 15, 30, 45 people in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah. Did you feel that was a little bit like, come on, guys? Or did you just take it as it is, knowing how the company can be? At this point, I would say nothing surprises me. Yeah. And it's a business. I get it. It was a lot. And a lot, I don't have a wife or kids, you know, like, so it's easier for me. Mm -hmm. Would suck for others. But I mean, I get it. And, you know you only get hired to get fired, so it's not. Right. It's going to happen. What I have, I, I don't know. I don't have the circumstances. I don't have the knowledge. I don't mm -hmm. have... It's not my business. My business was to be a low-shelf entertainer for your circus. <laughs> toy in your toolbox, the arms off of and put under a magnifying glass and melt. <laughs> but that's all about what's my dream job. Yeah. So it's hard to say. There's two sides to every story. Truth lies in the middle. I'm not going to degrade them for doing that, but I'm not going to praise them. Mm -hmm. So talk about how, how you kind of ended up back with, with the new and improved impact run by a very smart guy and one of my longest friends, Don Callis. Don rules. And yeah. I've never been creatively in line with somebody I've never met till last week. Right. We did this. I like finishing each other's sentences. sentences. There, there Sandwiches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, he's, and he's totally into, like, because I'm very wordy when I write. So I wrote what I saw this character as, which was just insanity on a typed, just nonsense. Mm. But he read it and was like, oh, and then he made it better, which, so I had 90 days to create something that I wanted to take elsewhere. And I did that with whatever. Did you contact Impact fairly early on? They got a hold of me. Yeah. Let's talk soon. And we were always flirty, mm -hmm. flirty, flirty. I actually almost didn't go back there mm. because I thought it was too obvious. It's too easy. Mm -hmm. It was too simple. There's other things I was working on and doing. I have a very broad plan that I really can't reveal in mm -hmm. its entirety because it's going to play out. But I had <laughs> some shit going i got i'm controlling the narrative so right what i'm trying to say which is great <laughs> but you're excited to be back with impact now, very though. much yeah. because when i left they had to sacrifice everything to survive mm -hmm. and i was very impressed and i'd always check in but they had to everything every time with tna was always new person new coat of paint but the core was broken the foundation was mm -hmm. a mess they realized that and they like we're going to have to take six steps back so we can make a giant leap forward. Mm -hmm. And I think they play their cards right and are on the precipice of it. So I'm very impressed with how they were able to do that. Um, 
very happy to be back. Scott and Don seem to have everything together. Company with their their network, it just seems it seems they're poised to make a yeah. jump. And if I can help with that, that's awesome. It's great too because I mean I'm not sure exactly what this financial situation with Dixie was there, but they have a legit billionaire. I mean that guy who owns Anthem, the the Asper family. They they they're like the most famous family in Winnipeg, which is where I'm from. Don's from, so they have money. They're yeah. billionaires. So. Oh, I was at their Orlando estate once. There you in go. a suit. Yeah, <laughs> sweaty palmed. Like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> but it's good to know that they have the financial backing yeah. if necessary. Yeah, I don't know what to add to that. Besides the fact that, like, another place for people to work, cool. An alternative to your sports yeah. entertainment, great. Good, like, they built a solid foundation of talent with, like, Eddie and Moose, I think, who mm -hmm. stuck it out through the hard times and are now leaders there. Which pains me to say about Moose, especially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they did well, and I'm very proud and happy for him because I did like him, and it, did, it was not easy to leave. But I felt like I had to. So well, yeah, but, but also too with the influx of all the new talent with Jamie Gallows and Anderson, you got yeah. some legit main event guys in there. Um, that Suddenly, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, the one thing it's just so hard to gauge because you're in front of no people. Mm -hmm. The first time I went out there, oh man, I just feel this is your oh, first yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, I, trust me, I worked Impact house <laughs> shows, all right. So I know it's like to be in front of no people. I trained in FCW dungeon we wrestled matches in front of nobody ever but man just like yeah it's it's a strange it's, thing it's so feeling based and at least with like AEW, there seems to be that interaction a little bit yeah well, we have some people but it's funny because i was talking to who's it whatever match we had the other day of like oh we had a match with jungle boy and he's like or maybe luchasaurus is me and hager and i was like did i get up too quick and i'm like i don't know <laughs> like i can't tell you that because <laughs> usually my barometer is the sound of the crowd, the right. noise of the crowd. How are they reacting? You know how it is. Yeah. So I don't know if you got up too soon or not because there's nobody here. So yes, no, maybe, all of the above, none of the above. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> Luchasaurus. Yeah. So, you're, uh, so as we start to, to wind down here, I think it's exciting. I mean, you must be very, feel fortunate that the impact did bring you back and, and to a very high level. You were kind of the main event, main event of the pay-per-view and the fact that you have another gig now in the middle of this, you know, yeah. COVID, that's pretty cool. It is. Because, you know, there's this wise dude who once uh, started something new, and he had this clock that just ticked. <laughs> just ticked. And he never knew what it was going to be. And then when it dropped, he emerges. <laughs> so I stole that idea. And nice. when we got fired, because we had the 90 days, so I had the 90-day clock. And then... A month in, I'm like, oh, shit, what are, what are we going to do? <laughs> is this even a Wednesday? What? Yeah. Like, what when does it end? Yeah. Um, and my partner with the print shop and some of my creative weirdness, JC, is like, we should do a match. Okay. Uh, we've done matches. I mean, they're doing match. The stadium stampede broken. Like, I think the, re, uh, the cinematic match might jump the shark. I don't know if it's such a good idea. No. We'll do it realistic, and we'll do a cinematic fight. Mm -hmm. So at the end of that month, I'm spending a month putting together a shoot for a cinematic fight, call it the narrative, pay off all this character development we did online, and that kind of at least occupied my mind while at the same time things were falling into place as far as impact and 
other things as well. Which we still can't discuss. No, we can't. And I'm just happy nobody knows. Yeah. Of what, an actual secret. Yeah. An actual surprise. I hate, I love surprises. So, Last thing for you, what was your, your favorite match that you had? Can't even say in WWE because you probably didn't even have that many. But WWE, your, your last WWE NXT yeah. experience. Easily the ladder match in New Orleans with uh, NXT TakeOver before WrestleMania. I mean, it was a five-star match. <laughs> Who was in it? Myself, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, Velveteen Dream, Adam Cole, and Ricochet. That's a great line. So, you know, I did all the, I did the shooting stuff. Yeah, yeah, all the flips. Yeah, yeah, all of them. The 675. I literally gave my life for that match. <laughs> it's like, well, I can't do any of that cool stuff, so maybe I can get beaten. Just down catch it all? Yeah. Especially in a ladder match, just pick up the ladder and hit people with it. That's yeah. the one thing guys like that never do. Yeah, but I mean, what a comeback. Like, man, it sucks. I almost wish I started with vignettes in a get-over matches, though, because once you jump in, your first experience is that. Like, where do we go? Where do you and go from just, there? Yeah, it's very yeah. disheartening. But, yeah, I mean, I'm very proud to be part of that match. So that would easily be the one. So last question, what are your plans for, for impact? What do you want to bring to the table and what do you want to... Uh, creative ingenuity. I want to create a character that's beyond, that's based in reality, but is just, I just want wrestling to be different. I feel we're very paint by the numbers. Everybody across the board, everything's the same to me. So I just want it to be something different, something real, hopefully resonates on a personal level with people, emotional level. Allows them, whether they like it or not, doesn't matter to me. It's just they feel something when they see it. I just want to create something that will last. So I can bury the past, which is the arc of the characters. I'm coming back to destroy my past because my past is full of anxieties, depression, regrets, angst, sadness. Like I can never move forward as long as that past exists. So it's almost perfect to start this narrative in impact because that's where I had my most success. Mm -hmm. That was a precipice for me becoming who I am. And then where it went, who's at fault. Right. Right. You know, we'll you're see. the self terminator going back yeah. to destroy your past. No. <laughs> Dude, it's, not a it's great uh, having you. Yeah. And what a great chat. And you brought some gray goose, which is awesome. It's too um, early to have some, but <laughs> I had a wonderful chat in your palatial estate, I must say. Yes, dude. Yeah. You, know, you, don't, well, you don't do. Your office, I meant to say this in the beginning, your office is the perfect balance of like portraying family and my success with classy interior. You know, it's not too much like. Yeah. Stuff. It's not uh, Gene Simmons' house. There's every single thing on the wall, but there's a couple of things. I mean, there's only the four books I wrote here, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, Thanks, dude. Thank you, brother. <laughs>